Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about the magical 2011-2012 boys basketball season at Barron Academy, and we are fortunate enough to have a player on the team, a former player, Aaron Gutman, former parent from that team, Rick Gutman, and Coach Chris Cole. Welcome, everybody. So, absolutely. So, I'll I'll ask all of you the question, and I'm I'll be curious what your recollections are. But I'm going to start with the previous season. Um, did any of you have an inkling the previous year, that 2011-2012, that the 2011-2012 season could be? Excuse me, the 2010-2011. Did you have an inkling that the following season would be a special one at any point in time? Um, from my standpoint, yes. Um, our first year in Taps to actually play was the, the 2010-2011 season. We lost in the second round of the playoffs when we traveled um, up to Austin. And uh, and to be honest with you, just getting kind of a little more technical basketball, we, we at that point didn't play much man-to-man defense, which is interesting because now it's a staple of our program. But I, I learned in that game that – if you didn't play man, um, as you got to the higher levels, that it was going to be a big problem. Mm. So, I knew coming in when when we hired our our um, our assistant, I remember him coming in and the boys were playing kind of pickup, and I said to him right before the the twelve season, I said the only thing that's going to stop us from going to state is taps. So I, I knew that we had a, a really special team. Wow. How about you, Ira? Yeah, so I think that uh, I share the uh, same sentiments as Coach. Um, you know, the team obviously was had been getting what seemed like better and better each year. Um, Coach, I don't know if you remember, I did not play mm-hmm. most of the 11 season. Uh, but ended up, uh, you know, it seemed like the team was ready for to make a big, uh, to make a name for itself. So I think it seemed like it was coming. Amazing. Rick, did you have an inkling? So really following along Coach Cole's uh, feelings and conversations that he had with many, I think he had this conversation with several of the parents. Um, and I don't know exactly when Coach started the school, but this group of boys he had been coaching, I think, for five to eight years and had kind of been nurturing this group to play together uh, as a team. I mean, some of the other, other teams that we've played, in years past were of a different size. They're much bigger and more physical. But Coach Cole really focused on the team mentality, and I feel like he worked on this group particularly hard from when they were in, I think, grade school. Is that right, Coach? I mean, I had them, you know, I had them in PE a lot, and they were special <laughs> early on. I mean, Isaac Murris was just a really special athlete, um, and Zach Yosher was, was, you know, fantastic. Some of the other ones were, were kind of surprises. Isaac Gushin as a kid who I think between sixth and seventh grade grew about three feet, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he was just, you know, came out of nowhere as far as that goes. Um, but, you know, they, they had a really, really tight-knit group that really enjoyed each other. They enjoyed being around each other. Um, and kind of I remember them very, very specifically in the fourth and fifth grade. Uh, so that would be uh, this, the juniors from that, that 2012 year and the seniors um, being in PE and just 
they lived sports. I mean, they, they wanted, and it wasn't just basketball. I think that's another thing. They were, they were, they were great athletes in anything that we did, um, which, you know, the, the more I coached, the more I realized that, that at the youth level, anything before high school, um, and even into high school, the best athletes typically are going to have the best results. So amazing. Um, that's, that is neat how long you had been coaching them. I'm sure that made a big difference as well and team cohesion and how well they, they knew each other. Um, I can tell you from our side, it definitely helps having a consistent well, they, coach. Yeah, and, that, and they had other coaches too. Um, and, you know, they, um, they, they were successful every year all the way through. And they, you know, I, I didn't coach them uh, specifically in, in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were successful even then. So, you know, uh, it, it's easy to, to, to take credit for great players, but they were great players even then. Amazing. So how, how about the actual season, the 2011-2012 season? What, what do you remember about that season? Like, how was the record? Were you getting better? How, how did the season go overall? Yeah, I mean, I could talk for a long time on that, but um, – so we, so like I said, we implemented man-to-man defense. That was that was to me the key to um, getting deeper than we had ever gotten before. And so I remember very specifically going in the first couple of weeks, we didn't even touch the offensive side of the ball. We 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 were fortunate because we were able to run with guys that had played before. So it's not like we didn't have an offense. We had an offense, but. We put every ounce of practice for the first three weeks at least, maybe four weeks, into man-to-man. I remember going to play Westbury Christian early in the year. We played their JV. Um, I think their varsity won state that year at maybe the 5A level. But we played their JV, and I just remember we got killed. We, we, we could not – and it was all defense. I mean, it was it – was, you know, helping but not recovering. It was not blocking out. It was just, just kind of the the growing pains of going through man-to-man defense. And uh, and there was times where I was questioning, like, man, maybe we just don't have it. But I think I think kind of about the midway point, um, we really started to develop a, a cohesiveness. And so added to, added to the press and, the, and just the athletic ability um, that we had already had, I think it gave us the ability to play with you know not not just teams in our district that that wasn't necessarily the issue the issue was you know second third round of the playoffs um fourth round fifth round if if, if that's what we got so Anybody? that was the focus for me Aaron Rick yeah i think that um you know hearing what coach said I, oh we got our guidance from coach and obviously uh you know it, i think it took a little bit of time for us to kind of get into uh, that team mentality a bit better, which obviously the uh, that man defense that we were playing is completely reliant on the team being one for it. You know, everyone's got to got to follow in, and I think that uh, coach did an excellent job of kind of leading the guys in that direction and getting us prepared for it. Do you remember it being a tough transition? I can't say I remember it being a tough transition, although there was definitely some times where. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, coach had to let me know a couple of times that, you know, if I didn't move faster and get to a certain spot that the team was going to pay for it. And there are a couple of times specifically that I remember about that. So I think everybody remembers coach Cole sometimes getting a little frustrated with the team. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like that happens. It doesn't matter whether it's on the, on, on the girls, <laughs> the girls team or the boys team or what year it is. 
he has a way of expressing himself that, that uh, generally motivates the team well. <laughs> um, I'm not sure it was ever unfair, though. I think it was always warranted. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what, uh, one of the things that I recollect, and I'm sure you'll come to us later, one of the things that I recollect was uh, I think after about three quarters, half to three quarters of the way through the season, um, as a parent and as a board member at the time, I think what I recollect is basketball became the most, like, almost the most important thing wow. at Baron Academy. <laughs> and I think that the person that, um, I think that the, that the one person in the whole building that, that made, that figured out a way for everybody in the school to recognize that this is basketball and we want to excel at it, but it's just basketball, was Coach Chris Cole. Wow. He's the, I think he's the only one in the building. Everybody else was focused on the boys <laughs> getting to the NBA. And Coach Cole was... Uh, generally maintained a pretty level headed thought like this is basketball we're going to do really well and we're going to keep working hard but let's remember this is basketball that's great so um how, how about once you got to playoff time um you know i guess you start with district but what what were the were there challenging games did you fly through the through it what led you up so, there, so we again we knew we knew that um first round typically when you have a good team is not something um, that you're too concerned with, uh, one, cause you host it and, you know, two, because typically you're matching up with a team that hasn't done too terribly well in their own district. So, uh, first round, um, I want to say we played Southwest Christian. I, I want to say they weren't even in our district at the time, even though they're one of our district rivals now. Um, and I think we beat them pretty easily. We got to the second round and we played a really good team out of the Austin San Antonio area. I can't remember who it was, but I remember that they had two really, really good players. Um, and we, our press really hurt them. We jumped out to about a 10 to 12 point lead very early within the first three minutes. But once they figured it out and kind of played it, it we never, it never got more, you know, closer than maybe six points, but we never got up more than maybe 14. And we got, I think we ended up winning by 12. Um, and we just, kind of stayed even with them the whole game so they were good they were talented they were one of the better teams that we played all the way through um during that second round there was an upset uh chinkapin at the time was in, there were two houston districts because we were in the 2a uh division so there were two houston districts and chinkapin was a team that was had a lot of really good players and they got upset in the second round meaning that the team we were going to play to go to state was a team that had finished third and had lost to the team we beat in the second round by 30 both times. Wow. So at that point, we knew that in that third game, that is the one, the regional game that puts you going to state, we knew we had uh, a really high chance to win the game. Um, and so at that point, we started reaching out, you know, to coaches and taps and things like that, trying to see, you know, what would happen. Um, and then in that third game, we actually were tied at the half. I mean, against a team that we had no business. They had one good player. We were tied at the half. We played at Westbury Christian at noon on a Friday. And we ended up um, really pulling away in the second half and, and winning that game by 30. So wow. it, was, it was, you know, one of those things where we really didn't I – mean, we learned, we grew as a team because – what they were doing and what we were not doing was very simple. And I think once we went into halftime, made a very simple adjustment and realized we had a six, six player who could catch the ball right into the basket and score. Right. And, and Zach ended up having 40 in that game. Um, and really just because of the, what they ran and how easy it was to, to be able to exploit it. 
So, wow. yeah, there wasn't a lot of, to get to the actual state, there, there wasn't a lot of uh, difficulty that year. Aaron and Rick, you guys remember those games? That Westbury Christian game, uh, the game, sorry, the game that was at Westbury Christian was, um, aside from uh, of that whole season, that was the most memorable for me, short of going to Arlington, where the uh, where the where the uh, where the championship games were. But that game at Westbury Christian was interesting because, if I recollect, Coach, there were some challenges about. Uh, I think it was originally going to be a home game, but because we gave up those rights, it, it was played at a neutral court. Westbury Christian was kind of that chosen court, and uh, my coach well, we, we had a re- yeah. We actually we actually benefited from something that was completely not it just happened to fall in our laps we played um kerrville our lady of the hills and it was a neutral site game so we were supposed to play on a friday two hours away right we were supposed to find we did that last year as well we've done it a couple years where we end up playing kind of a shiner or we play kind of halfway and it's about two hours away um and what happened is their girls had also made it to the regionals and were playing at houston christian on friday night at a neutral site game because they were playing somebody from like Beaumont. So Houston was kind of the midpoint for them there. So they were okay with coming to Houston to play against us because they just brought their school, right? I mean, basically everybody just came and they came. So they played the boys at noon at Westbury Christian and then went and played that evening at Houston Christian. So that benefited us in a way in which we had not prepared it, you know, it just, it just happened to fall into our laps and Westbury Christian, who has always been amazing to us, um, was very gracious and, and offered, allowed us to play at their school at noon. Like, I mean, lunch was going on right, right out, right on the other side of the curtain. And, you know, we're playing a, a regional playoff game. So that was, that was, we were lucky for that. That was a lot of fun because, um, we've had a special relationship with, uh, with Westbury Christian. So, a great many of their uh, of their basketball players and a great many of their uh, uh, members of the school came into the game and and were actually cheering Barron on, even though it was in a in a <laughs> neutral court. It was I mean it was a lot of fun and Westbury Christian, which has always had an excellent varsity team, uh, were watching our players and and getting getting good looks and you know having a great time. It was it was a lot of fun that game. I think that game really put a lot of energy into our school because it was great to be at a neutral court where other people were supporting Barron. That, that must that's, have that's that, how I that must have been almost a shutout because like a 30 point differential in second half. I mean, do you remember how many points your opponents scored? I, I don't. I remember they were running a one three one and you know, I have Isaac Merwis, who's probably the best guard in the state uh, that year is, you know, ha- having the ball and we would I mean, I remember very specifically how we went about doing it um, because I still teach that same offense today and we still try to take advantage of it. And they, it was always there in the first half. We just wouldn't throw it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to get them to a point where I said, you just got to trust me. You just have to throw it and just trust me that it's going to be there. And once we did it once, it was, I mean, it was over. And then what happened is because we were able to score, then we were able to get in our press. Right. Right. And so once we get in our press, I mean, we, we were as good as anybody. Um, and so that was 
that was the luxury that we had. So once you start scoring a lot of times, that's the problem. I mean, you, you can play teams, they press really well. I mean, last year in the regional final against Baytown Christian, they couldn't score. So because they couldn't score, they couldn't get into their press, and therefore that's that's their strength, right. and now you've taken that away. So um, for us to be able to score in that game in the second half really kind of set the tone for everything uh, because they weren't going to be able to score off of our press. So when – you must have realized this kind of early, looking ahead, like, we're, hey, we're probably going to make it to States. When did it become clear that uh, that was going to be, that was going to include playing on Chavez uh, or a decision about whether to play on Chavez? How, how soon did you know that? Right. So we knew when we joined TAPS. When I went into the, the meeting to join TAPS, they said to us straight up, you, you know, just want you to know, State is on Friday night, Saturday. You have to go in kind of for an interview. Um, for your school to join. And this was before even the 2010-2011 season. It was before the 2009-2010 season. We tried to join TAPS at that point. And when, and and so then we, we said that was fine. Like we understood that. I'll be I'm very honest. People don't believe me when I say this, but I had no idea. I, mean, I come from a public school background and to get to state is often a once in a lifetime thing. And so if, if I was naive on anything, it was, it was the fact that we were going to be able to get to state. I mean, we've been three out of nine years. I mean, that doesn't mean that we'll be any years out of the next 10. It's just it was the reality of what it was. So once we went through that first round of playoffs, our first year, and I saw the teams, I realized, okay, we're, we're going to have a really good shot with this group. And so then we had done a little bit of, um, you know, work prior to the game and knowing that, okay, we're playing on Friday and we had an appeal and Rick would be able to speak much more probably to this. We had an appeal ready to go um, to TAPS as soon as we won. Um, we had even done some things prior to, I had reached out to the, uh, some coaches. Uh, even when we played our, our Lady of the Hills, I reached out to their coach and said, you know, this is what's going on. And you know, and basically explained to him. And he reached out to friends of his at TAPS and called me back and said, they're already, they're already saying right now that if y'all make it, they will deny. Wow. They wouldn't even, it wasn't like they were going to read the appeal and go through it. We were told right off the bat, he said, they, they are saying they will deny it. Now, what we did know at the time, and the only reason that really we kind of went after it or went after it as hard as we did, um, which wasn't as hard as obviously some of the other parents went after it, but one of the reasons that we did is that we had a really good relationship with um, a Seventh-day Adventist school, Burton Academy, up in, in the Dallas area. When we joined TAPS, he called me and, and basically said to me, you know, we're so glad y'all are here. We deal with the same thing. Burton is the real victim in, in all of this because Burton had teams that literally made it to state and they had to forfeit. Wow. So they've had to kind of go through that, and they, they really understood our pain and were happy to have an ally. Well, what had happened between the time that we joined TAPS and the 2012 season is that Burton Academy had made it to state and soccer. And when they got there, the other three teams had agreed that they would change the times of the games to accommodate them. So once they had done that, once TAPS had done that, they really had opened the door mm. to a problem. Because it was one thing when you said, we're never going to do it. And it's another thing. And, and the person who told me that um, uh, was, was the AD from Burton. But the one who, who 
kind of acknowledged and, and, and admitted all that was the second in command of TAPS, uh, Brian Buntemeyer, who's now the head of TAPS. And, he, you know, he, he was positive and he said, you know, Chris, things seem like they might be changing here. Um, you know, you know, fill out an appeal, do what you need to do, and, and, and we'll look at it. Now, that's what he was saying to me, you know, privately. I really like Brian. I think Brian's an honest guy. Um, I, I like to think that Brian was, that was where his heart was. Um, but the, the the other board members didn't. So we had a lot of things kind of going for us. And the New York Times article was something that was already kind of in play prior to the regional finals. Uh. Because at that time, no team had ever won. No Jewish team had ever won a state championship, which was true up until last year when Yavna won. Right. Um, but that article was designed, like, if you win regionals and you go to state, then you know, uh, there was a connection there that we were going to, to be able to, uh, to, to do that. So that, that was where that was. So the, the Friday, like I said, the appeal Rick could probably speak to more of, but it was, um, it was already in the works before that game was played. Rick, what do you remember? Well, honestly, coach has a much better recollection uh, <laughs> than I do, but um, I think that, you know, we had heard some of that input from coach about, about Burton and what was going on. And we knew that there was some leadership at TAPS that was not in favor of making changes, period. I, I don't know that it was just the Jewish component. I just think it was originally TAPS doesn't like to change. They've got this plan. They, they have Friday night ball in Arlington, and, and, and that's how it's going to go. Um, but we have had that. We had had the experience before. I think Coach spoke about it, that, that where games were scheduled either on a holiday or games were scheduled on a Friday or Friday night or Saturday. And collectively, all the uh, almost all the other coaches work things out well uh, with Coach Bull throughout the season. And in general, coaches want to win, but they want to win by competition, not by default. It's just not the same. Right. It, you know, when you win the championship with an asterisk next to your team, it's just not as it's just not as favorable as winning uh, against good competition. And I think that all the other ads and other coaches feel the same way. And honestly, we thought that that's what was going to happen, that the word was no, because I had to make that statement of no. Um, and then I think um, a member, and, and Coach may remember this, a member of uh, Shira Yosher's family was a sports writer at the time, and, and they were getting this press out about the energy behind this Jewish basketball team. And we just felt that, that the appeal was going to get there, and then they were going to sit and think about this appeal uh, and go well. This is just not going. This is not going to be good to reject this. Teams are going to want to play ball. Um, and then some local politicians began to get involved. I think less so about the appeal process initially, and more so about the support. Like this is really cool. You got a, hmm. I hate to say it like this, but a little team. You know, a little team. You know, a small Jewish school out of Houston making it to state. It's not happened before. The kids aren't that big, you know. It's not like you come to our, came to the game, came to the locker room, and saw a whole host of, you know, six six foot six and, and six foot three pl players. Although Zach was a big kid, um, and that you had local politicians getting involved in, in getting excited about a district, a school that was in their district, uh, going to a state tournament, and then when the appeal came back negative, I think that's when the whole school kind of. That's when the excitement, you know, sometimes you get, you know, when you have rejection is when the energy starts. Right. And the energy uh, and the excitement in the school really began to rally after that rejection because then it became 
you know, a personal thing, a political thing, all kinds of just crazy stuff started happening. I recollect, and I'll let Aron jump in a second, but the cool thing, I mean, one of the, one of the coolest things for me was I think I was sitting in the head of school's office at the time, and um, head of our B'nai Kita, uh chapter was in there as well because we were talking about how we would organize a travel uh, a travel arrangement up to Arlington over the Sabbath and how the food would happen and how we'd get kids up there and how parents, because everybody was jumping on board with this whole energy. And the phone rang, and I wish I could remember the guy's name. The phone rang. Uh, I think Rabbi Siegel picked up the phone at the time, and the guy calls and says, hi, this is, I forget his name. I'm calling from the White House. Can I speak with the president of the school? And I happened to be in the room, and we all kind of looked at each other like, is this for real? I mean, Frank <laughs> calls. And I, you know, I didn't even know this, but I, you know, there's a, uh, for a number of different religions, there's a representative at the White House that, that just kind of reaches out to different communities. And the White House picked, had heard about this because, like Coach said, it was a New York Times article, it was on Yahoo Sports. There are a number of different, the, uh, different Congress, uh, congressmen in our district and state representatives. And a member of the White House called and said, we just wanted to let you know, uh, a Jewish guy who was also supportive, obviously, and represented Jewish institutions or the Jewish you know, communities around the country, said, we just want to let you know we're supportive of, of your basketball team. We hope things go well. We just wanted to reach out and let you know that, that we're supportive of it. And all of us were kind of <laughs> thinking, this is impossible that the White House is reaching out regarding this. Um, and I don't know that that played a role in it because a number of other factors came into play over time but it was a really cool thing to be sitting in a room and, and a member of the white house calls baron academy to say we're supportive of, of the basketball team wow that and, was a lot of fun and our own what, what was the timeline here like are we talking what, what day of the week is it how soon is state scheduled and then you know once once their refusal came in uh what was campus like campus was obviously crazy from beforehand i think that uh you know as coach said he obviously keeps a way better, uh, a way better log of what our games are looking like and how our <laughs> schedule is. And um, he's already been scouting and talking to coaches. So once there's a good understanding that we're, you know, making our way further, I think that the excitement in the school, for sure, among the student population, was uh, heavily focused on our basketball team. And uh, I know that you guys had spoken about that in the last interview uh, with Coach about, you know, trying to transition the the school mentality a little bit <laughs> this was definitely a, a full focus on the uh on the high school team at the time but i think it was only days uh before the uh before the game was really supposed to happen where maybe in the last two three weeks where we were getting calls from like you said the congressman and uh, i think didn't the uh, member from the white house actually come to the school he did you guys remember he did. that jared bernstein yep and then uh, we had gotten a call, was it from maybe the Lieutenant Governor as well? And there were a couple of different other people within the state that seemed like they had a lot of pull. So from our side, there was a lot of excitement because it was one of those things like, how did they not take the uh, appeal right. with all these people, all these big names who are coming out in favor of you know, the game being rescheduled? So from that perspective, we very much thought that this was like a no-brainer for them. Right. And so when did the what day of the week did the refusal come down in relation to the game that was supposed to be that Friday night? Was it So we so we played on Friday. Um and so, you know, at two o'clock we send in the appeal. We didn't hear anything all weekend. Um and then 
on Monday we did the interview with the New York Times. Okay. So it was a three-hour interview. I remember sitting in, in your office, actually, um, and it was a couple of players and, and the head of school at the time, um, and then, uh, which I think was Rabbi Sinoff. And then um, what happened was literally during the interview, I got the email saying the appeal has been denied. Oh. Um, I didn't say anything. Uh, the reporter finished up the interview. And at the very end, she said to me, uh, hey, Chris, just when, when you find out the time, right, when it, and just let me know and I want to put it in the article. <laughs> and when she said that, I said, actually, we just got word they've denied our appeal. And that really was the match. I mean, that was – so the next thing you know, it's Monday afternoon. I don't know exactly what time. And the New York Times is the first to publish an article that says – what's going on in Texas wow. at that time nobody knew anything I mean it was nothing and so it was a really big deal I remember specifically coming into school on Tuesday and thinking oh my god I remember talking to my brother and saying this is about to be crazy I don't know what's going to happen but this is what's going on and I remember getting to school and walking in the lobby no everything was going on just like normal nothing was different I walked into the office and I said, hey, how's it going? Has anybody called? Nothing. No messages? Nothing. Nobody has said anything? Nothing. So Tuesday, we're coming up on, I don't know, probably about uh, noon. And all of a sudden, I get a call um, from, uh, like Rick said earlier, there was a, there was a family member of Sheer Yosher's, I believe, who was, uh, who was really instrumental and kind of just getting that press out there. And at that point, we needed him to, to handle all this stuff. We at least thought we did. And so he called me and said, hey, I don't know that this will happen, but ESPN has had meetings this morning about this. So, you know, don't be surprised if you get a call. And sure enough, within the next 20 minutes, I get a phone call on my phone. It says Bristol, Connecticut, which is where ESPN's base. So right. then they ask if we can do an ESPN article, I mean, ESPN interview. So that happens at roughly two o'clock on Tuesday. By the time we get back to school, we're still practicing because we're still hopeful. So we're practicing like our season's gonna continue. And Tuesday afternoon, there's press there. There's every local news station that, that is possibly there. So it's on Tuesday was really big. We still had been denied. The board got together and they did a second appeal. And there was, uh, I don't know a whole bunch about it. I know that they had written you know, gotten letters at that point, we've gotten a lot of Congress people and, and, and politicians involved. And I think a lot of support and kind of refiled the appeal. They came back again, unanimously denying the appeal. Um, and then I don't know. I remember. So then we practiced Wednesday, Wednesday. I remember every day coming in from practice and going in to a meet with Rick and with the board. And, and I had never, I had never been, a part of that, right? And the board had always been a very of course. You know, uh, special thing that you just teachers typically didn't. I mean, I talked to the board members all the time, but it wasn't like I went into board meetings. Right. And, and all of a sudden I was in these meetings and I knew they were very, you know, very <laughs> big deals. And, uh, and I remember on Wednesday after practice going in and I just, I, I very vividly remember the words being said um, that they're going to file a lawsuit. And so 
um, at that point, I had, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I, just because I was afraid personally of what that meant for my career, you know, um, as far as just what, what I do. But at that point, it was out of my hands. I, I had no, really no understanding for how that process would go or what, what would happen. And, and to be honest with you, even today, know very little about how that all played out. So, Rick, how did that play out? Um, well, it's interesting. Um, I wish that uh, I had a better recollection of all the details, but it was a challenge because the board, um, going back from the very beginning, had really heard from Coach Cole about what we had agreed to with TAPS mm-hmm. and what we understood. So there's, you know, there, there, in some senses there, there, there's this uh, – tough line of morality of where you stand when you go into a league and we knew the taps was set up originally as a christian league uh to help facilitate all these christian private schools around the state of texas they were they were integrated into i think the texas constitution i mean there's uh, taps has has certain guidelines and parameters that are built into texas law that allow them to operate in a certain way and that was understood and we understood as a participant you know, ethically, where we where we really were that uh, that if we get there and this is when the games are and and although you can ask for a variance and ask for some exceptions, this is what the rules are. Mm-hmm. But then it became clear that it, it it appeared to us that this was way more than just not than just we really like when our games on Friday night. We don't we like tradition. It really seemed like it became an issue from a religious from a religious point of view and i think that's when a number of families and 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 many people in the school and politicians got very frustrated at first everybody agreed that this is tradition and this is how they how it's set up and we understood that but then it seemed like they were taking such a hard position of no flexibility i'm sure that coach can speak more of it but i really think there was lots of conversations about how to make it more flexible how can we do this and and we I think that we tried as a board, uh, and I know that I spent a lot of time, but many other people spent a lot of time, just because I'm on the phone, there are many other people who spent way more hours on this than me. But the board really tried to take the high road and trying to follow the guidelines of TAPS and work with other coaches and ADs to try and make this really about the kids playing basketball and not about a political thing, not about TAPS, not about religion. I think we tried to stay away from the press from a legal perspective and, and away from the press from a religious perspective and just make this about basketball and high school kids playing in a cool, fun tournament. And and I think that the other schools that were of that same opinion because, again, like I said a while ago, they wanted to be wanna competitive. Play. They want to play a basketball game. Right. It's not good. You know, it's just not that fun. Um, and I think the other teams were supportive and called Coach Cole. And then it became clear that the frustration and the boiling point was getting was was uh, really rising, and people were looking into, I guess, civil liberty, civil liberties um, obstruction, and how we could, and what roles could be played. And ultimately, um, the school did not take a legal position. Families, you know, got on board in, in, independent of the school, and uh, hired legal counsel and filed a lawsuit against TAPS which as coach Cole said, I can see how he would get scared, not only about his you know, position at the school and the career and basketball within, within uh, Barron Academy. I think the board 
felt uncomfortable as well. We were nervous. We, you know, we also don't want to be successful in playing in this tournament and then out of taps going forward. Right. Um, that that would not be a comfortable position. And I think where the where the linchpin really was, and Coach Cole probably has better recollection of this because they were calling him. But I really think it was the Catholic diocese that really got involved at the end. They were the largest contributing member to TAPS. All mm -hmm. of us pay a fee. And they basically said, that this isn't right. This is turning into a religious fight, of which the founding of TAPS was exactly on, was to not be into a religious fight, was to try and be out of that. And this was turning into something way more religious and political than, than the Catholic diocese and Catholic charities wanted to be a part of. And they, I think, went to TAPS and said, at the end of the day, if you guys can't this out, we may not be a partner any longer. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and that I think that was really the linchpin. Do you recollect that, Coach? I, I do. That was later. Um, that was when Ed Burleson came out um, afterwards, months later, probably like April or May, and had done an interview maybe with the Dallas Morning News, and he had made the comment, we should have never let Barron in. Um, and when he did that, that was – it was just a really – um, wow. Really big deal because he had kind of said the quiet part out loud, you know, and, and kind of how they felt about the whole thing. It wasn't like, we're glad we could have worked it out and, and things like that. But I remember the lawsuit. What I remember about the lawsuit um, was that I, I remember two things in, in particular. One, I remember that it was against Mansfield ISD. Mansfield ISD is a public school um district that we were playing all the games at and so because they were state funded and again i'm definitely not a lawyer mm. but i knew that that at that point it was the the lawsuit itself was not against taps but they were gonna file an injunction and shut down every level right so if you were a 5a school that had nothing to do with baron academy all of a sudden state is gone and that's one of the things that really scared me right was that i was gonna have a bunch of people upset with me um because that was, you know, this was my school that was that was doing this. Now, you know, luckily things worked out. We found out on Thursday, basically, I want to say three o'clock, that they had reversed their position. Wow. Um, and then we were able to move forward um, from there. And so we, you know, we had to we had to like a big meeting. I remember Rick drove um, the other van as we moved up and and went up on Thursday night. Yavna allowed us. Um, to stay in homes, and um, they also allowed us to use their facility for a little shoot around on Friday, and kind of that's how we got to the actual, the actual games. And, and what time? What time was the semifinal game ultimately? What time was that scheduled for? Semifinal game, I believe, was at noon oh, at wow. Nolan Catholic. Um, it was an absolute crazy environment, the probably the craziest environment I've ever been at. I saw a photo the other day. And just uh, it, from just looking at it, you wouldn't think much of it because you see NBA, you see scores, tables, and you kind of see this press row. Um, I've never coached in a game ever in my life that had literally a press row. I mean, and it and it went free throw line to free throw line. Wow! And it was tables on the on the floor that were just press uh, from from all over the place. Um, I know we had Steve Bunin as a part of our community, uh, but. At the time, there was another ESPN uh, anchor, Robert Flores, who had gone to the high school with me. His brother is one of my best friends. 
I remember after we after we won um, the first game, going into the locker room, pulling out my phone, and I had, you know, 50 text messages, <laughs> but one of them was from him, and he said, congratulations on the win. I remember telling the boys, hey, ESPN knows that we won. Like, wow. it was a really big deal, but that environment, the first time out, when I always pull a chair and I always sit in the chair, that's kind of just what I do as I, I, we do a timeout. Right. And I remember that the, the floor was kind of inset. And, and so you, if you were standing in the crowd, you were, your feet were basically at my waist, you know, we're, we were sunken down in the, in the court. And I just remember there were probably 15 people with cameras, like news cameras trying to get photos. Um, and it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was really, really just an insane environment. Aaron, what was that like as a player coming in and, and seeing that environment? It was incredibly scary. <laughs> um, there, you know, I think that, and I'm not, I, I have a feeling all the other players would say the same. It, the environment is very intimidating. It was a, it was a big gym. There was a lot of, a lot of people in the stands. Um, and you know, while we always had, I think a very supportive home crowd at Barron, in the uh, season, right? This was definitely a, uh, a a pretty scary environment to walk into. Um, and on top of that, I think that you know they're the courts designed a little different. The backboards, if I'm not mistaken, there aren't they glass, coach? Yeah, that's and most gyms there. <laughs> we we just hadn't had that in ours. Right. <laughs> so when you're shooting at you know you're shooting at a wall, they're what is it, tw- 10, 20 feet behind you. And, and it was, yeah, it wasn't a normal gym in the fact that in a lot of these high school gyms, the, the, the wall is only, like like everyone's saying, about 10 feet behind. This one, the wall, you know, was 30 feet behind. Ooh. So the depth perception is definitely different. Please tell me. It that was, was definitely it was definitely scary in, uh, in layup lines. I can tell you that. Well, please tell me there was a Hoosiers moment where Coach measured the, uh, the height of the rim and said, it's the same in our gym back in Hickory. Please tell me that happened. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't quite that big. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So, and how about that game? What was that game like? So we didn't know much about. You know, we didn't know we were going to play. I did. You know, it was hard to get any scouting stuff. I had one coach. Uh, the coach. So they had taps to basically put Kerrville, Our Lady of the Hills, back into our spot. They were going to go play. Oh. So you just got beat by thirty, and now you're going to go play in state semifinals. And they really didn't want to do that. So I think when they found out we were going, I think they were actually relieved. The coach said, I don't know much about them, but I know this and this and this. So we went in with kind of a very small uh, understanding for what they did. They had a big guy, I remember. Uh, but we we were pretty nervous early on. We didn't play really well, but we were up. I remember probably the, the, the two defining moments of that game for me uh, in the semifinals was um, – Isaac Bouchine hitting the three-pointer at the buzzer in the first half. Um, that was, it, I think it put us up six or eight, and it just kind of gave us a little more breathing room than we had. And then I remember they had gone to a game plan in the second half where they basically didn't guard. Um, at the time, it was Albert Katz, and they just didn't guard. They, they doubled Zach, and we struggled. Uh, Albert would catch the ball and, and just was – trying to just be a team player and move it. And I remember telling him, you got to shoot the ball. Mm. And Albert was a good shooter. He wasn't a great shooter, but I, I had every confidence in him. But he caught the ball the next time down. It came out of a timeout. They left him, I mean, it was completely wide open. And he shot a three and he hit it. They immediately called a timeout and had to get out of that. Wow. And from, from there, it really was, it was, uh, 
it was all the way. I mean, obviously the, the, the other players, you know, ended up getting more comfortable and, and, uh, and, and playing well, but the, those are the two, just those moments are the two that I remember from that game just as like major, you know, uh, swings of, of momentum. And Rick, did you, were you helping get the entire school there? Did the school make it for the game by noon Friday? Yeah, well, it was a, it turned into a, an entire Shabbaton. And I, again, it, a lot of it was, I mean, the, the school, uh, the administrators and B'nai Kiva were really, you know, uh, spearheading this. I mean, there was all the, all the parents were involved and I hate to say it like this, but all the moms were, were involved because every, there was a whole movement of how to get all food up there. Uh-huh. Um, because we were going to be staying in this uh, small hotel uh where there wasn't going to be food so you've got friday friday night saturday saturday night there's a lot going on there's a lot of food to bring up and everybody i mean for the for the days and weeks before that like i said it was more about basketball than it was about school right uh which turned out to be super cool because these kind of moments like coach said you know just one opportunity to go to state just doesn't generally happen we've been fortunate enough or coach has been fortunate enough to get three teams to state but uh, at that time, it was such a big deal that the whole school, I mean, everybody who was or was not interested in basketball, teachers, administrators, parents, kids all the way down, you know, preschoolers and first grade, they were coming into these, you know, cheering sessions. I think schools started having these, uh, uh, Maroon probably remembers a better word, you know, all the kids are coming into different rooms and cheering on and there's a big thing going on in the gym. And I mean, then, you know, I think we organized buses to take everybody up and of course, the team had a couple vans to go up so it was a big i mean it's a big you know for us it was the super bowl um and the whole and the whole school was involved and and supportive of this i remember getting calls from the federation who also wanted to be you know participants and be a part of this and um and then the whole live streaming and all the other cool things that go along with that i think one of the things that was super cool is coach mentioned that we, we practiced at i think yav in the morning was that friday morning we practiced there coach or thursday afternoon mm-hmm. Friday. Yes. Yeah, Friday. I remember when I remember when a bunch of uh, uh, I feel like a bunch of uh, news reporters broke into that gym. It was a very interesting. Uh, just it was great school. It was great when we had to talk about having closed practices. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, you remember that? Just trying to figure I, out I how do. we get the press out of the room. Yeah, we had a we had a press conference on Thursday, like literally a press conference in our gym, and all the boys were there. And, you know, they talked, you know, we talked about just kind of all the, all the different stuff going on. And I remember them saying like, so what's the next step? And I said, well, it's time to get back to normal. And someone said, well, what is normal? And I said, I never thought I'd have to say this at Barron Academy, but we're going to have to close practice to the media. (laughs) And so Um, can somebody tell me about the Shabbaton? I, I hear that was an amazing experience. I feel bad. I don't think I remember almost any of it. Wow. Um, I think we spent most of the time just, you know, with the other players. Right. Okay. Totally was, uh, understood. Pretty, pretty well, insular. I, I probably remember, I mean, obviously I have a pretty good memory of that year. Just, you know, such a, such a major event in my life. But I, you know, I think the fact that I have not been a part of so many Shabbatones, it probably stands out a little bit more for, for me as far as just kind of the environment. I had never seen anything like it. Never in my life. I had, you know, we had gone, we've gone to tournaments before and I'd been to Shabbatons like that, you know, that type of deal. But I had never been to a, a Shabbaton that the basketball wasn't. Lost you there for a second, Coach.
Huh. Anyone else have the audio? I have, I hear you. I don't I don't hear Coach Cole. All right, Coach Cole. Somehow we lost you for a second. There or during all this, and uh, remember my family in particular. I'm sorry. You're back. You were back. Yeah. Okay. So I was talking about the amazing environment um, of of the Shabbaton, how the energy that was in there. I'd never really been around anything like that. I had been obviously to, to tournaments, but I had never been in that type of environment. But my family in particular, brothers and sisters and all of them had never been around any of this at all. And I just remember walking through the hotel and the songs being sung and, you know, in the lobby and things like, I mean, we basically took over the hotel. Um, so it, that was pretty special. Um, so but, but it was also very stressful because it, it, it was just, it was a unique, it was a, it was a really um, new experience because you literally played, by the time we played, kind of did interviews, did everything we needed to do, got back to the hotel, it was Shabbos. Right. And you really can't do a whole bunch of, you know, you obviously we can't do video, we can't do, you know, any, it, it, it's hard to really even, to prepare for the next opponent who was a really, really good opponent. You, you just you just had a disadvantage. I remember the but the van ride to the game was like all the starters, all the kind of the, the main guys playing because the whole ride was just me trying to explain this is what they do on offense, this is what they do on defense, and it was that was very you know very very stressful. Wow. So I'm super grateful for your time. We'll try to wrap this up in the next few minutes. Um, Rick, you sound like you were going to say something. Well, I, the the memorable thing about the Shabbaton for me was um, there was there was obviously because of the religious implications and the conversations there was talk of potential threats and things like that so the hotel had hired security guards um pretty serious security guards that were that were there in the room there's a big room uh, like a uh, where we ate and hung out for the day and there were two security guards um there put position there all day to make sure that nothing happened at the hotel nothing happened in the room they didn't know what to expect the basketball team coming up from houston they didn't know what was going to go on and I was just uh, hanging out. This was a great memory. I was hanging out with two security guards, and they were looking around the room, and they're like, well, when are the basketball players going to come out? <laughs> this is just a classic story. I don't know if Coach if I ever told you this. And um, I said, they're all in the room. And they're like, no, no, seriously, when are the basketball players? I mean, the big men, when are they coming out? <laughs> and um, it was a classic story. They said, well, we heard you got one of those, those, those big guys, you know, the tall guy that can shoot. And I pointed over to Zach Yosher, and he's uh, he's got flip flops, and his younger sister Jordy sitting in his lap, and um, they look over, and I said, "That, that's our tall guy." And they're like, "That can't be him. That like that kid looks like a little baby over there." And then I they asked, uh, "What about that that you know the point guard?" And I pointed over at Isaac Merwes, and they go, "That that guy can't be more than 12 years old." Um, they were really expecting a whole different level of people, and they asked me which. But my son, if my son was on the team, I said, yeah. He said, what position? And I said, well, he kind of plays forward and kind of the enforcer. And I pointed to him. They're like, that little guy over there is the enforcer. He's, well, he said, you know, he does a lot of pick setting. So it was really interesting what these guys, they could not believe that, that this team and there was a team. And that really is uh, really all due to Coach Cole's ability to put together a team and manage a team from a team playing perspective, not from a – not from a size, but but how he was able to manage his team um, and other teams along the way. I think that's the real that's the real message is, is is Coach Cole in this whole process. I love it. So tell me just uh, briefly, 
final game, was it a close game? What, what did it look like? How did you feel afterwards? It was a four-point game. Uh, we, I mean, afterwards, I think the pictures probably do it more justice than anything else. And it was devastating from our side. Mm. But I think Coach could give you a better understanding of the actual gameplay itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember we got in foul trouble. Uh, Zach got Zach got in foul trouble, which was was really huge. Um, and then we went away from our press just because we were in foul trouble. And we went back to the press with about five minutes to go in the game. And I I want to say we were down double digits. Um, in hindsight, obviously, I wish we would have gone back to the press seven minutes left in the game. Uh, I remember they hit free throws down the stretch really well we kept fouling and they just kept making and we would score and then we would foul and they would they would it just was one of those things where they just kept hitting free throws uh, they probably went eight for eight uh, you know minute and so that was really difficult um but it was you know we we fought we were competitive and, and to be honest with you i really do believe that if we played that team you know four out of seven times we win i mean we were the we were a better team. I think the everything we walked into the gym, you know, 13 minutes before tip off. Right, no prep um, time. It just there was so many, you know, circumstances on the outside. I think just with all the emotions of the week, um, it was just such a crazy week. It, it just it is what it is. They were a good team. Um, yeah, they they deserve they deserve the credit for being there. They were they were definitely a great team. Um, I do not think that they were a team that we were not able to beat though. I mean we. It was one of those things that, like you said, Coach, out of seven times, I think that we're beating them, uh, you know, four. But they uh, they very much deserve to be there at the time, and they fought hard. I remember it was not an easy game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've, obviously our low score probably shows a lot of that as well. Right. It's probably tough. Yeah, I believe it was 46-42. Yeah, no prep 36, time. 36-32. 30, was it? Okay. Wow, 36-32. That is real scoring, especially when you outscored the other team by 30 and – I came earlier in the tournament. Wow. Um, well, it was two. It was two very, very, very good defensive teams. I remember they came out for warmups, and it was just they just they were good. I mean, they were they were a really good team. They played really good defense. We played good defense. So it was just one of those things. Like I said, I mean, it's that score, and we were fouling like crazy, you know, at the end, and, and scoring like crazy at the end. It felt like I remember Isaac hit a couple jumpers. Um, so it's just yeah, it's one of those things that. You know, you, you compete and you play, but ultimately, you know, we just fell short. But there was, there was just so many things from that whole entire story. I mean, the the, the neighborhood. I remember Robert Levy uh, being so instrumental. Danny Osher was just incredible as far as. I mean, Danny Osher was probably, in, in all honesty, if you had to give anybody credit for what Baron basketball is today, um, you trace back to him. He's the one that really motivated me. To, to really want to be a parent. I mean, he he wow. he was so instrumental in and 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 hyping me up. He would. I mean, there were times where we would get into conversations and and you know he would push me like you, you know you can do better. Like we can do better. Like this school can be better. You're you're the coach for them. He would just he just did a lot of things that made me really want to be a parent. And it was was he is a, probably the smartest guy I've ever been around. He saw all this when just reviewing the whole story. He saw everything happening before it happened, and was so instrumental in, in just everything. He's the reason we're in taps. Incredible. He's the one that came to me and said, "We got to get in the league." I don't. I mean, I don't think at the time he knew, you know, necessarily what taps was, but he said, "We've got to. These kids got to have goals." And uh, 
I love it. So, yeah. This podcast sponsored Coach, by the Yosher family. Coach, I was wrong before, by the way. It was 46-42. You were correct. Okay. All right. All right. I'm glad we got that on the record. Thank you guys so much for your time. This is a fascinating story, and I really appreciate you making the time to talk with it. All right. Thanks for having us. Thanks Thank for including us.